My name is Heidi and I love stories. Funny stories and sad stories and what on earth just happened stories. As it turns out, the Bible is full of them. And after two decades in Sunday school, plus a master's in English, I'm here to tell them to you. Get ready. This is Messy Scripture. Let's just jump right in with one of the coolest stories in the Bible, the story of Esther. Now, this story is set in the capital city of Susa of Persia. And the book of Esther, unlike most books named after someone, start off without that person even on the page. Instead, the book of Esther opens during a really weird Persian political festival. At that time, the Persians had a belief that if an idea sounded good while you were drunk and good while you were sober, it was worth doing. So King Xerxes had thrown this big political bash, basically, where they debated things sober and now we're debating things drunk. And his courtiers and his ambassadors and his visitors put pressure on him to have his wife, Queen Vashti, present herself to them wearing her crown. I say wearing her crown because that phrasing is often translated just as that, wearing her crown. But it's probably more accurate that they asked that Queen Vashti come before them just wearing her crown. This was not a bring out the queen. It's more like a bring out the hoe. And when Xerxes summons Queen Vashti, she's like, absolutely not over my dead body. I'm a queen. I'm not your whore. And when she turns down King Xerxes, everyone's like, mm, he's a henpecked husband, you know, because his wife didn't want to be paraded around naked and stood up for herself. And they're like, man, everybody in Persia is going to hear about this and all the wives are going to stand up to all their husbands and ain't nobody going to be abused anymore. It's going to be such a problem. The husbands are going to lose control. You've got to do something. And so King Xerxes banishes Vashti. We know from outside historical accounts that this banishment is actually like kind of chill for King Xerxes. This is the same King Xerxes who is featured in the film The 300. This guy is nuts. He's the sort of person who like cuts people in half because they annoy him. So she got off pretty easy getting banished, this Queen Vashti, but now he's left without a queen. So a suggestion comes up and he takes it. He has his men go out into the city and out throughout the whole kingdom of Persia and bring virgins to be a part of his harem and he will select one of them to be his queen. Just one. And amongst those who was definitely a virgin and definitely pretty was a young Jewish girl named Hadassah. This is after the exile, so she's still living in Susa. She was living with her uncle Mordecai because both of her parents were deceased. And when Mordecai realized that Esther was probably going to be taken to, into this harem, he told her to change her name. Don't tell anyone you're Jewish. Hadassah's too Jewish. Go with Esther. Your new name is Esther. Lucky for both Mordecai and Esther, Mordecai was employed in the king's service. He actually worked in the court, and so he could see Esther as he walked by. Now, when Esther was taken, they were given months and even years of spa treatments and trainings and basically best possible case scenario for each of these women because they were going to be queen of the most powerful empire on earth. It's a big deal. And Esther isn't just gorgeous and charming and pretty and smart and all those things, but she wins the favor of the king's chief eunuch, who gives her a little hint. See, every single woman was given one night with the king, a single night, and then after she had had her night with the king, she would be taken to a second harem, and unless the king summoned her by name, she would not be brought back before him. And when she went to the king for that one night, she only brought things that the chief eunuch suggested. So 
the chief eunuch, who knew King Xerxes' taste, made sure that Esther was just his kind of girl. And it worked. Esther was made queen of Persia. There was a big party. There were tax breaks. Everything was going well. And at the same time, her uncle Mordecai discovered a secret plot to assassinate King Xerxes that happened right under his nose in the very court. Mordecai exposed the conspirators, and they were executed, put to death immediately, obviously. It seems like things are going pretty well for the family. Mordecai's just uncovered a secret political plot. This badass named Hadassah is going by Esther and has been made queen of Persia. But there's an enemy, a snake in the bunch. His name is Haman, and he's an agagite, or agagite, or a What a gross man. The name Agag may be familiar to you, but in case you've forgotten way, way, way back when we were talking about King Saul, he was supposed to kill all the Amalekites, but he didn't. At least not at first. He left all them sheep and oxen and things and didn't kill the king immediately. Well, the king's name was Agag, and so Haman the Agagite is a descendant of the Amalekites who should have been wiped out hundreds of years ago by King Saul, but instead, somehow... Whether it was before Saul attacked or after, before Agag was executed, someone was impregnated by Agag, and his descendants have survived this whole time. And now Haman has wormed his way into the very top of the court of Susa. He is now one of the most trusted advisors to the king of Persia, who is in control of, again, one of the most powerful empires on earth. And he proposes to King Xerxes that there's this group, this just freaking thorn-in-the-side difficult group that doesn't really fit in. They don't, they don't add anything to the empire. They worship strange gods, and they dress weird, and they're ultimately not loyal to the king. And so Haman asks permission to send out a decree that the Jews can be killed by any citizen, and they cannot put up a fight. That on a certain day... Everything was fair game. It's basically the purge, but specifically for Jewish people. On this day, people can kill any Jews that are in the vicinity. Just wipe them out. It's fine. And take all their stuff. So there was an incentive for people to kill the Jews. And Haman got Xerxes on his side by sort of moisturizing his ego and making sure also that he was convinced that the Jews were a threat to his throne. When Mordecai hears about this decree... He tears his clothes and wears sackcloth and puts ashes on his head. And then he goes to see Esther. And Esther's like, what do you expect me to do about it? I can't just go see the king. I haven't even seen my husband in 30 days. This isn't a marriage of love, my dude. The only way that I can go see the king unsummoned without dying is if he holds out his scepter to me. And that's like not super, super likely. I mean, he banished Vashti for not wanting to parade around naked. So like... I don't exactly know what you think I can do here. And Mordecai's like, I don't exactly know what I think you can do here either. But I do know that the Jews will be delivered out of this. We always are. The difference, however, is that if you don't help us, that deliverance will not come to you. Who knows? Maybe you're queen just for this very event. And it gets through to Esther. God always saves his people. But God may not save Esther if she keeps it a secret that she's Jewish. And so she asks Mordecai to call all the Jews in Susa to fast and to pray, and she will go before the king. It's a huge risk, but she goes for it. At the end of the period of fasting, 
she has her servants prepare a banquet and she goes into the court and the king sees her a long way off and calls her up and he holds out his scepter and he says, Esther, it's good to see you. What can I get for you? Ask for anything, even up to half the kingdom and I'll give it to you. And Esther says, I want to invite you and Haman to dinner. I have a feast for you. And Xerxes is like, well, why didn't you lead with that? Someone go find Haman. This is going to be great. We have a dinner party with the queen. And so they go to the dinner party. Esther gets them like nice and tipsy. They're all having a good time. And the king's like, Esther, sweetie, what's your, what do you want? What's your request? Up to half the kingdom. You know I love you, right? And she's like, my request is that you come to another banquet and I'll tell you my request then at that banquet and definitely have Haman come too. And Xerxes is like, cool. All right. Guess we get another banquet with the queen. And Haman is like walking on air because, oh my God, he gets another banquet with the queen. He's feeling so special. The people he wants to commit genocide against are going to have genocide committed against them. The queen likes him. This is going great. But there's one little sticking point. Mordecai doesn't respect him. Like every time he passes by Mordecai, and he's like a prince of Persia. He's special. Anytime he passes by Mordecai, Mordecai doesn't bow to him. Like Mordecai does not get it. And so Haman is pissed. And he's fussy. And his wife is like, honey, you're letting this one guy ruin your happiness about the genocide. Why don't we just build a big gallows in the front yard and then when the day comes we'll just hang Mordecai in the front yard it'll be great and Haman's like babe this is why I married you you're a genius and so they build this huge gallows like three stories high specifically for Mordecai the Jew meanwhile Xerxes can't sleep Xerxes is having a rough evening and so in boredom or ego or possibly a combination of the two probably a combination of the two King Xerxes calls for his own record of reign to be brought in and read to him, like basically the daily minutes of him being king. And they get to the entry where it's like, and then Mordecai the Jew uncovered a secret plot to assassinate the king. And Xerxes like sits up in bed and he's like, wait, 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 did we ever do anything cool for him? Like, that's kind of a big deal saving me. Like, did we ever throw him a party or anything? And the scribe, you know, looks through and is like, no, no, just a little... Just a little asterisk here that, you know, did something good. And Xerxes is like, well, damn, we should do something for that guy. So he summons Haman and he's like, Haman, I got a question. Imagine that there's this guy that I really want to honor that, like, I feel he's done me a personal favor and I want to show him how much I appreciate what he's done. Like, what would you recommend? And Haman, of course, thinks it's him, right? Like, obviously, it's going to be him. So he's like, King Xerxes, you have come to the right place. Okay, here's what you do. You put him on a horse that you have ridden in public. You put him in some clothes that you have worn in public. And then you have like one of your top princes walking him through the city of Susa on this horse yelling, this is what happens to a man that the king wants to honor. Throw him a parade. And Xerxes is like, that sounds awesome. Throw Mordecai the Jew a parade. Haman, you're the guy who should lead the horse you, because you're so great. And Haman's like, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm going to lead Mordecai the Jew on a horse in a parade before I genocide his people. And he parades 
Mordecai around the city, and he does not have a good time. And then he goes back home, and he's all bummed out. And Mordecai's like, whatever, I'm still going to die. And Haman is just hurting. And he tells all of his counselors and his wife what's happened. Like, I had to parade Mordecai around, and his wife is like, my dude, if Mordecai's a Jew, and you want to kill him, and this is how he's getting treated by the king, you are not going to succeed, my boy. This is going to go bad for all of us. And as they're still having this conversation, the eunuchs show up and are like, Haman, you have a dinner with the queen and the king. Let's go. Don't you have somewhere to be? And so Haman gets hustled off to this dinner with Queen Esther and, and King Xerxes. And they have a great time. And at the end, King Xerxes is like, honey, Esther, what is it that you want up to half the kingdom? There's got to be something that you're wanting all these banquets for. And Esther's like, the thing I want to ask you for is my life. And I want you to save my people. And he's like, who's threatening you? Who's threatening your people? And Esther's like, here's the deal. I'm a Jew. And this man, Haman, is trying to have all the Jews killed. That includes me. I don't know if you guys realized that. But my people are going to die. And Xerxes is so angry with how this situation is going. He is so hurt by Haman wanting to kill Esther's people. And so, like, Verklempt, Esther's a Jew. So he leaves to collect himself, which is kind of out of character for King Xerxes, but he does. And Haman throws himself on Esther and is like, please, 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 please don't have me killed. Please don't have me killed. Please don't have me killed. Esther, please, 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 please. And King Xerxes walks in and sees Haman on top of his wife begging for his life. And Xerxes, like, pulls him up by the collar and is like, you would rape my wife? Ah! And he's so furious that his guards are like, Sire, I don't know if you knew this, but Haman built a giant ass gallows in his front yard. We could hang him on those. And Xerxes is like, that's perfect. Hang him on the gallows in his front yard. And you might recall from the Daniel episode that Xerxes can't just undo this planned genocide. So what he does instead is tell the Jews that they can fight back. They're not allowed to go out and fight anyone that hasn't fought them. But any Jew that's attacked can counterattack. And any attacker that they defeat, they get all their property. So suddenly the incentive to go out and kill all the Jews has just gotten really, really low for all the non-Jews. But some people still go after the Jews and it doesn't end well for them. All of Haman's sons are hung on the gallows and the Jews who were almost annihilated by Haman's orders are now secure within the kingdom of Persia. But you might be wondering, isn't there a job opening because Haman got hung in the gallows in his front yard? There would have been a job opening, except for Mordecai was given Haman's job. And Mordecai and Esther put together the holiday of Purim, which celebrates the Jews' salvation from Haman the Agagite, who, because he was wiped out and all of his sons, finally spelled the end of the Amalekites, and finally, finally, the order that King Saul could not get through his head was fulfilled by a young Jewish woman named Hadassah who just so happened to be married to the king of Persia. This King Xerxes is the father of the man who would later give the order the Jews could return home. In next episode, we're going to talk about those who do get to return back to Jerusalem, how that went, and most importantly, what happened after they got there. I'll catch you then.